0: Hey everybody, welcome to another awesome episode of The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 67 with the mighty Patrick Clare, who is a recent Emmy Award winning uh, creative director who's most currently known for his amazing work on the title sequence for True Detective, which turned out to be stunning. And the show itself was really awesome as well. He's also known for his work on Halt and Catch Fire and a project called Stuxnet. We're going to have links to all his work, so if you don't know or are familiar with him, check him out. For those of you who are, I know that you guys had lots of questions on the Facebook page. Um, we tried to do our best to uh, get to everything that you guys were asking. If you are curious about up-and-coming guests or just being up on the know of everything, there's a Facebook page that we use, facebook.com forward slash The Collective Podcast. We've been trying to post up who's going to be coming on, so you guys can kind of ask some questions um, and get more involved, so we can address you know, anything that you guys are curious about uh we also have the website um uh, we mentioned it last episode but it's, it's big news for us it's a lot of work and uh we're really happy to get it out there for you guys as a resource um it's the collectivepodcast.com we've uh, actually created it by our newest sponsor uh service called squarespace it's really awesome to use it's incredibly u- easy to use um you can make a really clean and professional looking website to get your work out there to get jobs get to show clients um there's a free trial you can try it out or there's a 10% off use the code TCP as in the collective podcast it's a really great service um, big thank you to Squarespace for hooking up the podcast and then also a big thank you to Patrick Clare for coming out he's been very busy and it's great to, for him to dedicate his time to you know explaining some things and giving us some information about where he comes from and how he's got to where he's been this is going to be episode 67 let's go one of the number one requests for the podcast um, which is awesome you're you're in high demand right now I know you're super busy so it's just it's awesome to connect with you again and I really appreciate you spending the time to chat you know man it's a total pleasure it's
1: always it's, it's such a supportive design community out there it's really nice to um to get to have some contact and some interaction you yeah. know through the interwebs yes that's always good to talk to you
0: yes absolutely it's like a win-win-win so it's like yeah, and I'm just—I know we're both really busy. Um, you especially with everything that's going on. And Andrew, just let me know that you won an Emmy. I did. Yeah. What the heck? Congratulations, man! Thanks, man. That's a really big deal. That's a big deal for you and your team and everybody um, involved in that project. It's—is it for the True Detective
1: stuff? It was. Yeah. So we got the main titles Emmy this year. We feel really lucky. There was um, some great title sequences that we were up against. Um, Who was it? Uh, what, what were the? What was your competition? Look, we had uh, another team from Elastic that were up for it, uh, which was cool for Masters of Sex. Okay. Um, the Silicon Valley title sequence was in the mix, which I thought was awesome because it's one of my favorites from the past year. And I think having it get nominated for an Emmy really um, validates the choice to do a short title sequence that can be just as important to the story. You know, it's like I think it's 11 seconds, it's for a half hour comedy show, uh, it tells heaps it's a total pleasure to watch you want to watch it again and again um and i just really like the fact that the that those guys getting that recognition means that if shows come up that we want to pitch sort of short title sequences for that we can kind of a show and say to showrunners, "Hey, look this works this is creatively a really interesting way to go it's it's smart yeah um so that was very cool that was the, you and uh, co right it was yeah uh you and co and they had some a great team working uh, with them from uh istanbul who did a lot of the work on it and um, those guys were super nice and amazingly talented and uh really inspired sequence yeah it's cool it's like it looks
0: like the sims i guess like that video game kind of yeah i think it's city. like i would have it's said
1: inspired by eboy to a certain degree it's yes um, yeah, yeah very cool aesthetic yeah yeah definitely
0: that's cool yeah and then that's awesome though um yeah for those of you that are listening that aren't familiar with patrick's work um he does some really awesome creative direction for many many projects a lot of the projects that you've done have um, really gone a bit viral, you know, the Stuxnet and all that kind of stuff. And um, and then your recent big success, which is what you just won the award with for your team is the t- main main title sequence for True Detectives. So, um, which has been a big conversation. We actually asked the community um, just, they had questions for you and, you know, just curiosity kind of things. And, and a lot of the conversations were based around the title sequence and also your your recent move to Elastic and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, no. Congratulations is in hand, and it's just really cool that that you guys got
1: recognized for it. So, because it's a really cool piece. So,
0: well, we just feel really lucky,
1: and um, you know, it was such a strong field. I mean, it's always just, I think, comes down to like once you're into the nominees, just um, like a question of, of luck with how the votes go. But but we're certainly super proud and super thankful. So,
0: yeah, it really helps that the show is great as well. You know, like the show has carries a lot of weight, and, it, and it, I think it. It just supports the title sequence as well. And then I think it allows us to see all the work and effort that you put into it. Because I know that you're really intellectual. I know from working with you that you're really into the bigger idea, but dissecting the bigger idea and pulling out other ideas from that and and finding what really sticks, you know? And um, I think that it shows... I think the show itself reveals hidden meanings, which leads to... Looking for things that are in the title sequence as well, and it becomes this kind of interesting sound but symbiotic relationship with the show. at least that's my analysis of it, which is what makes it a fun title sequence you
1: know Get the yes, same, yeah absolutely, like I think you know what you say about I mean obviously we benefited from the show being good, but what was you know really interesting to see is is that like the showrunners did such a smart job of managing the creative process I mean, I can honestly say that um Nick and Kerry as uh, clients um, on that job, you know, uh, Nick Pizzolatto being the uh, the writer and the showrunner for uh, all the episodes, and Carrie Fukunaga, unusually, being the director for every episode in the series, mm. um, w- were really impressive in terms of the way they handled a creative brief. And that the reason the title sequence was is good is really more to I think down to their decisions than our decisions. I mean, I'm proud of the ideas we presented, but um, if we presented those to a you know, to to clients that weren't as willing to support us and to to manage the creative process in such a smart way, then um, then it wouldn't have been realised in a in a in a quality way at all. Uh, and it really you know reminded me a lot about how important it is when you're um, steering creative work to strike the right balance between giving people, on the one hand, clear direction and all the inspiration um, and sort of raw material they need to do good work, and at the same time giving uh, people the freedom to. Um, to follow a vision and, uh, and to do something uh, that is singular and, and inspired and sort of has an internal integrity. And, you know, I think that they, they hit a really good balance between they gave us lots of information up front, um, they gave us access to a lot of their scripts and to a lot of their raw footage. That's cool. Uh, absolutely. And they, uh, you know, they told us a lot about their story and they were kind of their own post by the time we spoke to them. So they'd been working on it for, you know, probably in next case, years and years. Um, and they had a lot of cool subtext they could tell us. But from there, they really let us do what we do. And when we had check-ins, we didn't really have that much contact with them. They would, you know, they'd watch the whips. They'd just give us really clear and direct feedback. They'd tell us what they didn't like, what they did like. More often than not, they would take out the safest things that we'd put in because we thought that, you know, the, the, the show might like them or the network might like them. And they pushed us towards the more kind of interesting creative aspects of the sequence. And... Um, and I just, I, I can't describe how much I appreciate that and that it really allowed us to do a piece of work that I'm, I'm truly proud of because they didn't mess with us in the wrong ways and they just kind of backed us through the process.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that as a trend, as a smart, smart clients lead for smart projects. Um, you know, you get David Fincher, he's a very smart guy, he's a very passionate person. Um, his title sequences for his films are usually just amazing. You know, his films in general are just awesome. You know, they're just, they're just such, they're so worth your time. And the money that you spend, they always are for me, at least. I'm a big David Fincher fan. So it's cool to hear that that was a similar relationship that you had with the client on this one. So you guys were on a different level. Rather than them going, hey, how about you just, you know, here's a couple of images off the internet. I just want it to look like that. Just because, you know, instead of having that, it's more or less building with subtext. And is that more, is that more in line with what you're talking about?
1: Absolutely, and the thing which has kind of you know occurred to me recently is um, that thing about uh, you know how you hold a butterfly. I think it is like you, you, you need to hold it tight enough to it can't get out of your hands, but not so tight that you you know that you crush it. Um, and it's so true with the with creative things. Like, I mean, if you, if you want to get the details exactly as you want it when someone else is doing the work for you, um, then you're going to sort of. To some degree, kind of kill their involvement in the work. And it's, I think, you know, I mean, guys in my position, most of our work's done with teams, obviously. And you need to know how to work with the guys that are the guys and girls who are contributing to your project. And, um, you know, you can mess with them and, and get a couple of pixels exactly the way you want them. But ultimately, you really need to let them have some kind of creative stake in what they're making. Um, and that's where they're able to follow a vision through to realize something that's kind of. Uh, that that they can feel all the ship over, you can feel all the ship over, the client can feel all the ship over, and that has the sort of compelling emotional storytelling at its core to uh, to be an effective piece of work.
0: Yeah, actually, absolutely. I think that's really key and essential, and that's some, one thing to really consider when trying to make something really great. Is 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 everybody that's involved from the client all the way until to the junior designer that's involved in the project? You know, and and I think that really trying to Foster and 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 allow nourish that growth and I think the butterfly I've never heard that it's a really beautiful um way of putting it and I think that's probably perfectly perfectly states what creativity is because it's this delicate thing you know um and you gotta really know how to harness it and 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 build upon it and and and, and uh allow people to to own it but also steer them in the direction that you need you know and it's a very interesting uh, place to be. You seem to do very well, though. You've been
1: doing it for quite some time now, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's probably, um, you know, it's well over 10 years now, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's, Yeah, it feels like a while, that's for sure. At the same time, I feel like I'm just starting out, so. <laughs> that's good.
0: Well, that means that you're still very hungry and humbled by, you know, your position in, in life and in, in your career, which is great because that means that there's a lot more work for you to be proud of and continually build you know how do you how do you keep yourself fresh and not like
1: get jaded by things i mean that's a really hard thing to um to get your head around i don't think you ever i don't think i ever know how at the time i'm doing it but i will realize six or twelve months later how i was doing it and it kept changing um you know when i was starting out uh it was just like watching everything i would just i'd pour over motionographer and every other blog you know stash just Every day, um, and I, I just consume every bit of motion design in the world that I could. Mm. Um, and then uh, after I kind of started to find my feet with design, um, it sort of shifted. And I, you know, I, it was really more just reading the news and reading the, the newspaper, um, you know, when there was still kind of a thing, um, and, uh, and, and watching the, the news and, and trying to stay kind of informed about stuff. And then I think as I kind of started to do more and more um, kind of documentary and news work, that that ceased to become my sort of inspiration. And it really shifted back to um, just watching films and, you know, and just watching kind of movies, I guess through the late 2000s. It was really just about seeing as many good, compelling stories as I could. Um, And then I think, you know, it's kind of changed again in the last couple of years. And it's really not motion design that I look to for inspiration anymore. I mean, there's so much. There's just so much motion design out there. It's impossible to stay across all of it anymore. And, uh, and really now it's kind of more esoteric stuff like photography um, uh, or more sort of random art references that I tend to look at. It doesn't tend to be moving stuff, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm back to kind of trying to look at books as much as possible. I mean, I just love books. It was, um, it's, it's such a key part of my life. It's kind of broken my heart recently, leaving so many of my books behind in Sydney now that I'm living in L.A., um, but hopefully I can start to build up a bit of a collection here too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Books are so key. Yeah. And are you going to be able to, you're, are you staying here in the States? Or are you staying in
1: LA? Yeah, I think so. Uh, for a while, at least. I mean, we've certainly we've committed to somewhere for six months, and I think we'll be here for years. Okay. Um, my wife and my kid are here now. Good. Good to hear a great that. team, you know. Um, and uh, You're it's Elastic, right? Here and build it. Yeah, at Elastic. Um, they've been really fantastic here. We've got a wonderful executive producer who um, you know who found True Detective for me, and um, we've done lots of cool stuff together since. And um, we've done some cool projects this year, but I think you know hopefully it'll be in the next year as we really start to find our groove together that we can start to. To figure out exactly how it works with me being here and working in the studio uh, instead of remotely, which is a really exciting prospect.
0: That's great. I mean, if you have a, a great executive producer um, and a great creative talent, that's a great dynamic duo because you're going to get a lot of work done. You're going to have a good a good relationship with that person, and they're going to want to you know help push you and, and vice versa. So, which is great. So that's cool to hear. You know, it's 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 kind of a rare a rarity as well, I think, within the industry to have two opposite spectrums kind of working together simultaneously you know so that's good to hear you know and i think that a lot of people asked and wanted to know about your recent move um from your were you um you weren't at sydney were you were you in sydney yeah i was in sydney okay so... was I was thinking you were at somewhere else um but you went from an antibody was your company that you had created with your wife is that what it was yeah that's right okay and what was the move from that? Because if we go back, you're at like ABC and MTV,
1: is that correct? Yeah, so I've been bouncing around the Australian kind of freelance scene for a few years. This is going back like, like this is the long version of the story, going back like 10 years now. Um, and uh, I dived into um, doing a bunch of visual storytelling work um, for, uh, for a channel in Australia called ABC. Um, it was through some other production companies, but it was airing, you know, uh, on the ABC, which is equivalent to PBS or the BBC, and getting in front of a lot of, of a lot of people, and it was you know it was pretty sort of rough and ready uh, experimental work. that was basically journalism, um, and it was it was heaps of fun. We got to uh, you know we covered WikiLeaks back when no one knew who they were. We um, we ran the uh, collateral murder story like in a full animated piece less than forty eight hours after the the videos of of war crimes in Iraq first hit the web. Um, it was a really kind of. Thrilling time, and I think it taught me a lot about storytelling. And we just pumped out a lot of stuff. You know, we did six minutes of graphics all week.
0: Wow, um, that's which time.
1: Was insane! You know, yeah. uh, which I never do again now because uh, I think <laughs> I'm, I, I feel like I don't feel that old, but I feel too old and tired for that. That's for sure. Um, and towards the end of that, we sort of we were, we were polishing off the style of it a little bit. And as the the series for that wrapped up, um, we got into doing some work for video game studios because they felt that the sort of geopolitical technology warfare kind of stuff really suited um, a lot of stuff that Ubisoft was doing at the time with um, with their Tom Clancy brands and their uh, Watch Dogs and some of their other brands. So we kind of started using that same style to tell stories for them and that's kind of when my career started to, to kind of go international and um, I kind of stopped working for people in Australia and uh, I spent some time bouncing around Europe and the US um, doing work on different projects and, and it was really cool. But, um you know, life kind of catches up with you and uh, me and my wife were having a baby so we decided to, to go home and, um, and I decided to start Antibody which started you know, just in a very kind of casual way with me working from home. Um, you know, the, the arrival of the baby was imminent and um, it was getting a little bit ridiculous. There was this week in summer um, when my wife was actually like a week overdue to have the baby. It was like stinking hot. I had this like <laughs> French freelancer working in our living room doing a title sequence. And um, it was becoming increasingly clear that, you know, that this situation couldn't last forever. Um, So cut to a couple of days later in the labor ward and we got, um, uh, I get this email. I wasn't supposed to be checking my phone. I was in lots of trouble for my wife for this. Uh, (laughs) But we simultaneously, we got emails from um, confirming uh, that I had a big job for Ubisoft that was clearly going to need a big team on it. And um and also Bono got in touch to ask us to do some graphics for his presentation at Ted. Mm, did he see and a Stuxnet thing or something? Yeah, his uh, him and his, he's got a great creative team based out of Washington which mm. um which do really uh, cool work that pushes the boundaries and they'd seen Stuxnet and some other stuff and they wanted us to do some visualizations. So these like two things happen. Um I literally like found office space like from the like the pre labor room, um, and um, and hired freelancers by like ducking outside and making a few quick calls, and that, <laughs> that was the start of antibody. Um, and uh, luckily, we found this art gallery a couple of like, hundred meters from my house in the middle of Sydney, which was happy to give up their back room to become um, our space. And uh, you know, we, we bought some Macs, and all of a sudden, we were uh, we were a studio, which was uh, which was pretty exciting and a pretty strange strange time, I guess.
0: Yeah. That sounds like it's as natural as it gets, though. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, <laughs> when I think that's it rains, really it pours, right?
1: Exactly. And, yeah. you know, you just need that, like, that first job. And what's amazing to me is, you know, I thought about it a few years earlier, like, you know, what would I do if I wanted to start a studio? And it seemed, it seemed so hard. Um, and, you know, this was the mid-2000s, and technology was getting cheaper, and software was getting cheaper. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, you had to buy a tape deck if you wanted to do broadcast work, and that was $40,000. Um, what is that? Like uh, if you're having to buy like a tech deck, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. So what was exciting was that I realized when I started antibody, we didn't have to do any of that. You know, like we had one job, we bought a couple of IMAX, we got a um, Adobe month to month Creative Cloud license for each of them. Perfect. Um, and an IKEA desk and some some <laughs> chairs from the Salvation Army, and all of a sudden we were a studio. That's you know.
0: Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> And then you have, you know, one of the world's biggest game companies, you know, knocking at your door to help them with their vision, you know, and yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) It's just funny how that all works out. It's very, it was very cool, but I guess it, it comes, it, it makes sense though, if you really think about it, you know, at least for me.
1: Absolutely. And I'd like to think other people will do the same because it's so exciting having your own business. And it's terrifying oh, yeah. as well. And I'm sort of glad to be um, to be done with that responsibility. That's why I've kind of um, <laughs> let Elastic take the reins on that. Um, sure. Well, it allows you to be more what you want to
0: be, which is directing and designing, right? And kind of being a, the idea creator, kind of? Is it- content creator
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's nice having the infrastructure of a studio around you and the the resources that come with that um and the support you know that comes with that having uh, the, the the advice from people um to being able to draw in the experience of, of others who've kind of gone down that road before um at the same time you know having being able to make your own decisions um it can be really thrilling as well and i think what was so uh, what I really enjoyed about that time that I spent running Antibody is that I did feel that we could chase the creative. And by being really careful with what we spent in terms of resources meant that we were able to, uh, you know, to to not do a lot of advertising work and to focus on doing stuff that told stories or stuff that dealt with, um, with themes that we thought were cool or interesting. And I think, um, you know, whether you're working in a big studio or running your own little one, um, it's really important to keep in mind that there's always that kind of, relationship between resources and finances and creative and, and i think that there's you know if if you if you do keep that in mind then you're able to do the most exciting creative you can by kind of keeping control of your resources and, and knowing how your cash flow is going
0: yeah absolutely i just had jay and leia on from uh giant at and we talked a bit about that as well and just cultivating and creating a really cohesive creative environment as well. And, and, it, and, and I freelance as well. And, and a lot of people that are listening are curious about it or do it as well. And there's, you know, there's, I think there's, um, there's many different ways and the recipes of things and how to make things efficient, make them work for yourself and the team and stuff. But yeah, I think when you touched back, going back to the fears and all that stuff when creating antibody and, and, and now where you are, where you are now is, is taking the opportunity working with a big studio and um having the resources there do you feel like this is more fitting to what you're after now like where you're trying to go is this more of a a better fit for
1: you i mean i think um i love being in the states right now and i love everyone at elastic i think certainly um i think certainly like the challenge is just always to keep focused on the work and to keep taking responsibility for the work and by that i mean that you know i think the challenge for someone like me coming from a smaller studio to a bigger studio is that all of a sudden you have all these toys and you have all these like people that can work for you and, and, and the chance to kind of, you know, go large. But, um, you know, what, what I want to make sure we do is, is not to kind of, to waste, like not to waste resources, not to waste creative opportunities, um, and to keep making work with that same kind of level of, um, of fear and stress and, um, and creative ambition that we did when we were like two guys in a room.
0: That's perfect that's really, I think that's a very smart way of approaching it too, because you can easily go, well, we just, let's just throw like tons of people at this, you know, and that's not necessarily the right answer too. I can feel it in your work. I think other people too can. I I feel it. I feel that there's a lot of love in each frame, you know, like I feel that somebody has touched every aspect of it. That really separates the quality level, whether people realize it or not. I, I pay attention to it. I notice it. I think that people un- unknowingly pay attention and, and feel it as well. And that's just the care that people put into to that high-level craftsmanship, I suppose. And I guess it, it might be coming from that idealism of just key, keeping it very honest, direct, and small, and concise, and not drowning it with tons of resources and stuff. Because as you probably know and have experienced that, just having a big team doesn't mean that the result's going to be very great, you know? That's, you know? If you think about it, why do big companies reach out to people like yourself and I, you know?
1: So... Yeah, that's it. I, mean, I think You always just got to try and keep it streamlined as much as you can and I mean, sometimes that's a big character animation job and streamlined is 30 people and sometimes it's a design driven job and, um, you know, streamlined is three people. But um, I think certainly it's that sense of just valuing people's time is so important. If you value their time, they tend to give you their, like, full creative uh, potential. And that's when you get results that are really exciting.
0: Yeah, I agree. Couldn't agree more. I think that's one other thing. And that's just out of respect, though, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those nice things that's kind of, like, both smart and good. And so I think it's, you know, good to remember. I mean, you want to respect people's time and you also want to get a good result out of them. So you can kind of do the right thing by, you know, by them and by yourself on, on sort of on every level you know just in terms of like being a good human but also in terms of chasing the best possible result it's just yeah valuing their time taking into account and um and trying to brief them in a smart way that allows them to uh to do their best and that's what i guess has been really exciting here you know it's like six months have been here now and um from the get go the team here has done amazing stuff yeah they do great uh, work there yeah they do. What's been cool is that recently, we're getting like a real groove, especially some of the people that have um, have worked on all my projects. Um, like Paul Kim, for instance, is a yeah, fantastic Paul. designer here. I yeah. know he's, yeah, he's a friend of yours. Yeah, I it's, love uh, Paul.
0: Yeah. He was like the first
1: friend I had at Prologue. So, that's great. Is he, he? So, he, he's really growing with you then? Yeah. So, me and Paul, we actually started working together before we'd ever met. Um, he was put on a couple of my jobs by the team here. Um when uh, when we first started doing jobs, that I was creative directing from Sydney, but being produced here, mm, cool. Um, and we found a good groove there. And then he's been on virtually, you know, he's certainly been on my jobs pretty much every day since then. Um, so he's touched almost all of them. And now we just have this, you know, shorthand between us where he's able to jump on anything. He bounces back and forth between different jobs, you know, three or four times an afternoon. Um, all his beautiful work for the BMAs has just kind of hit the web, and it's this point where you know I. We're on the same credit page, and that's—it's really cool when you get that kind of collaboration happening. And I think it only happens kind of a few times in a career. Yeah, I've had it previously, and uh, hopefully in the future with Rao Marx, who's really um, like a critical part of um, of why like, why there are good parts about my jobs from the past few years. Raul's so talented um, mm. and is really the the powerhouse that drove antibody in many ways. Yeah, um, and uh, we've got Paul here at Elastic, and there's other guys here at Elastic that we're starting to get that. Um, that relationship with uh, awesome. that we hope and want to keep like just keep building you know
0: yeah foster it and grow it that's one thing I want to touch a base on too is it's been a, actually a big conversation between myself and friends and, and just in the, in the um, community in general is, is um, and it's good to see that and understand that you're the type of creative that encourages um, uh, revealing that it's not just you doing it all you know like giving credit when it's due you know, and a lot of people don't do that, unfortunately. And I just wanted to point out that I I find that to be really good that you do that, because I think that you realize by giving somebody the responsibility of credit, they have to earn it and they have to own that. But you also give them a piece of the pie, you know, being selfish, I don't think really helps at all, especially in the creative realm. I think you burn a lot of people out and bridges and stuff, I guess, you know, so I don't know, it's just something that you know it's great to hear that you're open about revealing hey that's not just myself because there's a lot of people I don't know if you've encountered them there are a lot of creative professionals that just say like hey me I
1: me 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 you know absolutely I mean there's you know a couple of notorious examples that um you know we won't go into of people who have succeeded in building long careers um, without necessarily passing credit to uh, to their teams um but it's a really hard thing to do, and I can only imagine that from the inside it's a pretty unpleasant thing. I mean, from my perspective, the pleasure is in steering the ship um, that's that's what I love I, I think you know I take great pride in being able to say whether Rao did something or, or Paul did something or, or any of the other you know fantastic animators or designers that I get the chance to work with. Um, like that's where it's what I get my pride from, and hopefully that they get, get some pride from from seeing they work out there in the world and seeing their own names associated with it—it's such, you know. Without wanting to sound dramatic about it, I mean, what we do is such a sort of emotionally demanding job because you're always oh, dealing yeah. with 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 trying to convey meaning to other people in the you know the best possible way. Um, and so, so part of the kind of the payoff has to be a sort of you know an emotional sense of satisfaction. And um, and I think giving people credit is a really important part of that. I mean, that's why I guess it's been so satisfying you know, getting the Emmy, because it's voted on by your peers. I mean, that's, that's the best part of it. Other titles, designers voted on it. So, um, that's what makes us so proud to have it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that everybody that was a part of that should be proud of that, you know, and, and being a part of, of something like that, you know, for me, I have, a, sometimes it's kind of, I, I fight that whole, like, um, the, the rewards committee, you know, um, sometimes I I fear that maybe it's rigged or whatever, but, at the same time, there's reasons why these things exist, and and I and I'm and it's cool when when somebody you know is is awarded it and they actually work hard, and they're honest about things, you know, and, and I know that because we've worked together in a couple of things, so um, yeah, which makes me st- stoked to hear that, and it's awesome that you're working with Paul as well because I know how good of a person he is as well and how much he loves this stuff you know we really just are big fans of this stuff right you know like deep down we're just wanting to do the best work that we can you know just because it's compulsive right you know like you
1: can't Can you imagine yourself just stop doing this work i can't articulate a rational reason um why why i do it nor could i imagine not doing it you know that's that's the whole point it's a part of you now right i think so yeah um absolutely i mean from from as young as i can remember wanting to make stuff was was key to it i mean i think it's just really indulge in. I, I kind of you know I look at films I made you know when I was at film school that had lots of car races in them and I realized I was just kind of doing what I used to do with my toys when I was two years old or four years old um, <laughs> and I still just kind of feel like you know this is a lot better than working for a living so but <laughs> I sort of just appreciate that fact and keep trying to like dedicate your time and energy to it
0: yeah you work for it though I know you're working your butt off over there so Cause I know you got a lot of stuff going on but that's great do you have do you have? um like a, an assistant at all because of how much stuff you have to do and keep track of things do you have somebody that's helping you out on that level uh no
1: look I don't have an assistant um I think that'd be weird I'd feel way too well looked after if I had an assistant sure um, you like to have a little bit more control over your day-to-day yeah I think so I mean I, I have to be like perfectly honest like my wife helps me a lot in our personal lives and mm-hmm. with keeping our lives on track and you know when we had the business she kind of she really ran the, the business end of it um I'm not Terribly well suited to that. I can make the big decisions, but I struggle with the the smaller details. But um, you know, and it's interesting you say it actually, because like you know, I mentioned, Jen before, who's my AP here, who um, who has a fantastic role in kind of charting um, the you know the way forward and and helping us make decisions about jobs every day. But in terms of like the minute to minute stuff, what I found really good since moving to the states is that I've, I've worked with a couple of really good producers. Um, I worked with a guy called Hamid, who we then lost to um, House of Cards. He's got a very senior role over there now. Um, and more recently with Carol Collins, who's, um, who uh, all the guys from Siam would know. He used to be head of production there. And, you know, for years I've been looking for that, that right person to be your producer because they're with you all day, every day. They're making little decisions about your jobs. They're, they're translating um, your vision to the team in many cases. And um, they're, they're managing the team on a, on a very kind of micro level. Yeah, and I really see that producer director relationship as an extraordinarily important partnership. You know, personally, creatively, on kind of every level. Um, I mean, Carol is fantastic. I'm so lucky to have her in my life, um, and that she uh, you know that she continues to put up with me. <laughs> That's and, your wife, uh, right? Oh no, I'm talking like so. Carol's different to Bree. Um, so Bree, my wife, puts up with me at home, but Carol looks after me at work. Okay, and then Jennifer Hall is your executive producer as
0: well. Yeah, so Jen
1: makes the big decisions, but There's Carol. Many ladies in my your life. I'm trying to keep track of it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, you get a lot of artists who you know, and and I think some of the guys who used to work with back in Sydney would have this kind of adversarial attitude towards their producer. Um, sure. And uh, and you get this really unpleasant relationship then between the technical and creative challenges of a job and the logistical, client-driven challenges of a job. Um, yeah. And what I think, you know, certainly I've learned is that um, my producer is my partner in getting the job done and, and the more that, that we can have a great relationship with the team, the better the job will be. And, um, and I think it comes back to that thing of like so much of doing good creative is just managing resources. Like when I think about where things have succeeded for us. It hasn't been because of smart creative, it's been because of smart resource choices mm. and the creatives kind of followed that. And like um, Who to have
0: on like, your team and
1: when and just using that, is that what you mean, more or less? Yeah, and how to, like, just how to spend your day, what to put time into, what to get your team to put time into to get a good result by the end of the day, like how much to worry about an annoying note you get from the client or how much to worry about the bigger picture thing and, and how to get that balance right on a kind of micro-decision by micro-decision level. Um.
0: So it all breaks down to many, many a school, like micro decisions. So you know, and, and and problem solving. So that's great to hear. That I've had um, some bad experiences with producers, and 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 I get why. Um, and you know, I'm just as guilty. But that's really great to hear. And the times that I have had great relations with the producer, the project did work out nicely because there wasn't this conflict, right? You know, so. What makes a good producer
1: for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's an indefinable thing. I think you just need to find someone that you've got a good personal rapport with. Uh, I mean, obviously, they need to be good at their job, and that means being organized, being thorough, um, being pleasant, you know, even when maybe they don't want to be. Um, and uh, being able to, uh, to, to you know, it's, it's that art of, like, understanding how hard it is for an artist to work the weekend while at the same time demanding that they do. You know, you've got to kind of make tough decisions, but also be compassionate. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, it's, it's not so much that there's um, a good producer and a bad producer, it's more about finding the right people to work with for you and finding who, people who have the same priorities. You know, uh, A lot of the jobs we take on probably aren't going to be the most profitable jobs, but creatively they're interesting and so you need to find a producer who wants to go down that road with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, which can be a lot to ask, but um, it's, uh, I think it's a rewarding one if you're into the same things.
0: Absolutely. That's great to hear though, that's awesome to know too because if you're creating that now. And you're getting kind of a a winning streak happening, especially with this last like recognition and award. It's just going to validate that um, relationship. And then the, hopefully the relationship is going to grow and blossom and it's going to build out for better and bigger work, you know. Which leads me to ask, um, so you're doing titles now. You're helping people with their own projects. Is there a goal in mind for something beyond what you're doing now? Is there... You know, is there, is there ambitions, like, do you have ambitions to do, um, actually write and create your own content? Um, is that ever been something of your, in, in mind? Some people, some people, yes. Yeah, some people, no, I'm just curious for you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think it's, it's uh, been a goal that I've had since kind of pretty early in my career and has always been something which has happened alongside my design career. I don't want to, I don't want to give up on design. Um, and I certainly don't want to become that, you know, that cliche of a, uh, you know, uh, motion designer that, that. Um, sort of creeps the wrong way into live action directing but yeah. um, it, is, it is important to me. I mean we were it was kind of heartbreaking actually one of the sad things um, with moving to the US is that we just got full funding for a documentary series um, that I was directing, writing and executive producing back in Australia. we had been really lucky. We actually spent years working on the applications and working on various development rounds hmm. and we got the green light um, about a month before I ended up moving over here and I had to, to give them the money back. Um, wow, that's
0: a big sacrifice. So you must have known that this move was going to be the thing that you needed.
1: It just became to the point where like, it was clear to keep, to, to keep chasing the kind of work that's really important to me. Um, deep down, that being in Los Angeles was the most sensible thing to do. Um, there's such a good team here, and it's so nice here that that, that was easy on that level. Um, but you know, it's, it's a big sacrifice to leave your home behind and to leave behind. Yeah, you know specifically an opportunity like that i mean i think you know if i'm honest like one of the things which has really driven me to want to spend time here is that i do want to be working um, on long-form storytelling and what i find so interesting about titles and working with showrunners is engaging with that engaging with the story and the characters and you know uh, and helping them tell that story and ultimately i want to do that stuff myself and and certainly a large part of our professional activities over here is uh, is you know, selling concepts to studios and uh, and getting involved in development with a view to One Day. You know, getting to make my own films.
0: Yeah, absolutely, that's awesome. How did the the Elastic thing actually come about? Like, what was I? Were you working on stuff with them directly, and then they're just like, "How about you just come over here"? Or,
1: well, so it um, I'd I'd had previous representation in the states, which uh, you know, we'd probably found the that me and the people I was working with were on slightly different pages. Uh, in terms of where we wanted to go and, um, and so you know I kind of decided that I was much happier in Australia making my own decisions. Um, Jen kind of got in touch after she saw some of the work we were doing and, and offered to represent us and yeah, you know she was very patient with me because I was a bit cynical and a bit like oh well look you know I don't know we have had a bad experience. <laughs> with um, representation, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, and we'd, we'd moved over here previously. We'd spent some time living, living in the States and, um, you know, there was really good people we were working with but ultimately we just had a different idea of how we wanted to run a business. You know, sure. running a business is a really personal thing and, uh, and it's Absolutely. you know, it's about really personal priorities and, and we ended up on different pages. So I said to Jen, look, you know, let's do a cool job together and then we can talk about, um, you know, whether whether we kind of see this as having any having any future in it. You Three weeks later, three scripts for True Detective landed in my inbox. And I've got to say <laughs> that like, full credit to Jen, that's a pretty baller move. That was a pretty great first job to come up with. And yeah. uh, we won the pitch. And since then, I've worked with them on everything. They're fantastic. I actually never really made a active decision to come over here. Um, I came over for a shoot that I had to fly over for on like three days' notice. And uh, and they just never let me leave. So um, <laughs> that was six months ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they. I think that's a good fit for them. I think that's... You, you probably what they needed, you know, and and it was a good creative, you know, fit, and so, and then now you got the family over, because I think the last time we were talking, which is months ago, um, you were working on getting everybody back over here and everything, so, which I know that must have been a a lot of work and a challenge for your wife as well. How do you guys balance your relationship? I mean, you don't have to get personal, but my wife and I have, you know, it's ups and downs. Sometimes I wish I didn't just talk to her about work-related stuff, but there's so much going on and so it's like hard to keep the that romantic, you know, nature of that childlike first, you know, love connection, basically. But then you have, you know, did you see that email or did you check that document or, you know, there's so much stuff that's involved. Like you said, it's like a work relationship, you know.
1: And it is. I mean, it's 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 really funny. I think there's no way to do it without some bumps. Um, oh yeah. We have a couple of, uh, of married couples that work together in the office here. Um, oh, okay. And uh, and it's funny, like I see them having the same issues that <laughs> sometimes me and Bree have. I mean, it's funny, you know. I, I say to Bree sometimes, "Hey, did you see that email?" Because I'm connected to my phone obsessively. I check it every like thirty seconds. Um, you know, she's often looking after our son, and she doesn't. And the worst thing I could possibly ask her is, "Hey, have you seen that email?" Because sure. she's more like, "Well, actually, no. I was doing the job of parenting our child for the last five minutes. That's why I haven't <laughs> seen it yet." Mm. Um, but no, I mean it's a challenge, and it's you know I'm really lucky. My wife's really supportive of the choices that you know I've made, and and she's been willing to kind of to do a lot of the the heavy lifting in terms of figuring out insurance policies for our business and all this stuff that just does my head in. Um, but the same token, I think you know especially after having to have been apart for you know uh, off and on like large parts of the last six months, um, it's kind of reminded us just how important setting aside time for ourselves is and you know we're trying to do that now and trying to carve that out and i think what's been a kind of more interesting journey for me recently um and it lines up as i was saying earlier with exactly when antibody was born was the experience of becoming a dad and and working yeah uh, i kind of spent you know in my 20s being terrified of becoming a father because <laughs> it would take away from my devotion to my work and what's been so exhilarating and i'm not saying everyone should have kids i mean if you don't have kids like that's, that's a really smart move um, but if you, know, if you do and you're worried about how it's going to interfere with your working life I mean what I found is that it, it actually enhanced it enormously and it was probably I think, I think the reason why we did do, get to do like, good work in our first year at Antibody is that the fact that all of a sudden I was a dad as well is A, I made sure I was home for dinner virtually every night which you know I'd never done before in my life but it made <laughs> me kind of make smarter decisions during the day Sure, yeah, and, no messing around yeah, that's it. You know, you know you you've got other responsibilities. suddenly home isn't just chilling out. You've got other responsibilities, so you don't feel kinda of guilty for going home. You feel like you have to do it, and then you make smart decisions mid-afternoon where maybe I would have kind of wasted time on the internet instead of really pushing myself now. It's like, no, I've got to get home.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you have to be very concise. Every every step of your day has to be um has an intention, you know. Yeah, you've got to be
1: efficient, whether it's efficient with finding time to relax or efficient with making design decisions. It's um it's about uh, not not wasting stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. We. Um, I mean, how how old are you now? Then. I'm 32. Turned 32 last week. Yeah, we were very close. Yeah, damn you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I need an Emmy. We need a match. No, <laughs> no, that's great. That's awesome. And yeah, and I think it really does. It's 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 key. It's very important. I think that if you don't approach it like that, if you don't embrace it, um, yeah, it could be detrimental. And 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 if you're I think there's there's a lot of things that are happening within both of our lives that we're lucky to have, you know, which is a supportive spouse, you know, and and, uh, um, a supportive community of people that support what we do. And so, you know, of course, we've I think we've both manifested a lot of it through incredible amounts of hard work, but at the same time to acknowledge that, you know, and to really be thankful for it is the key I think really for me at least acknowledgement and you know, cause I often will tell my wife, like, thank you so much for everything. You know, it's gotta be a, a bitch to, 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 to do, deal with this stuff sometimes, you know, cause it's like, it's me, 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 you know, and that can I mean, be that's, exhausting. Yeah, that's what I think. So
1: like, that's what's such, such a concern for me about becoming a director. I mean, it was so clear when I was sort of, uh, you know, I'm balancing my own studio and like but the thing which, which you don't realize when you start a studio is is how much of your time you have to spend worrying about um, whether there's you know enough toilet paper in the bathroom or you know, when the yeah. cleaner's coming because or doing the cleaning yourself because until you choose to pay someone to do it, which is not always easy, um, that that's on you. So yeah. it's not a glamorous existence to begin with. And no. I think that coming over here and taking on the directors. So to speak, you know, we're really lucky here, we've got a great team of PAs, they'll occasionally like grab me lunch or park my car for me or whatever. And I get really worried about being in a situation that it's gonna let that yeah, that ego grow unchecked because ultimately, I mean, you know, it's a combination. Sure, worked hard and obviously, you know, to get to, to get to any position you gotta have some ability, but at the same time, so much of it's luck, I mean most of its luck. Um, there's so many extremely talented designers that haven't had that chance to break out for one reason or another. And um or, or you'll find this guy's working on your team that haven't broken out yet, but they're going to be your boss in a few years. Um, yeah, <laughs> remembering that that's the way life works, and I'm um, never to think that uh, because you've got the title of director or a similar title that that's that's got some inherent kind of judgment on you. That oh yeah, stay humble.
0: That's right. Yeah, if, if you have a sense of entitlement, it'll lead you to really really odd predicaments because it'll change you in the way that I don't think you want to be changed. It's often happens where it's weird where people that get successful become the thing that they they hated the most, you know, and they get blinded by the fact that they are becoming the thing that they despised. And it happens a lot. It's very interesting. And I think what you're mentioning that will keep you in check is that we're just lucky, you know. And, of course, it's hard work, and we must be reminded of being humbled by it. But just because there's a title or some kind of, you know... There's a title, basically, of something that, you know, might not be as important. Just be, be cautious that it's just a title and it doesn't define you necessarily as a person. And I think being aware of that will allow for longevity in a career. I, at least that's my my approach to it, at least, you know from my understanding of how to be successful, I guess, so, <laughs> that's yeah, that's a little bit it. that I'm learning, so.
1: <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned longevity, like, it's such uh, it's such a concern, it's so something to be aware of, and as you said, there's so many different pieces to kind of thinking about how we can have longevity in this career, because, you know, I mean, we do need to sustain it through till the end of, of our professional lives, and we kind of in some ways, you know, like motion design or whatever you want to call it has not been around for generations and generations. We're kind of, you know, this industry changes so fast that there's not a clear path through to the end of the career. And yeah. uh, keeping in mind how to do that on every level, I think, is a really um, important thing to do. And it's kind of what keeps things interesting. You've got to keep pushing yourself and you know, keep changing. Um, remembering that, you know, so many fortuitous, like, little bits of happenstance and luck it led to where, you know, you're being where you are is important. And also keeping in mind that it's like so much like hard work and new ideas uh, is going to be required to kind of to, to staying where you are or changing where you are to be something kind of um, viable into the future is, uh, is equally important
0: yeah absolutely yeah I couldn't agree more longevity and the concept of it is very interesting but I really think that I don't know there's also a question I would ask myself is like would I want to work with me you know and That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah, because if I'm being an asshole, no, I don't want to work with me. And some people get they get a lot of um, they get a lot of work out of people out of fear, and that makes sense. But it doesn't last long, right? It, it, fear is fear is this thing that is very powerful and controlling. But I don't think it. I don't think for longevity, it it just doesn't work, you know. And, and running a business or running a creative situation, you know, I think it it can be challenging to continue that you know, relationship, if there's dominance and fear, you know, people will eventually find their voice and want to stomp you out, you know, for doing them wrong or whatever it may be. But I think by being humble and being thankful and those kind of things, I think, really help, you know. It's just something that I was curious about, because I know that you're starting on to this big next level. And, I'm, and, and, and when we had our conversations, I just really appreciated your humility you know from this because i could tell that you've worked hard for to get where you are you know and it seems that a lot of people um somehow they get mixed up in that they they lose i guess their originality their original person i suppose and i think that you should shed some skin right you know you can't carry everything with you right
1: well you gotta change somewhat i mean that's the whole idea yeah keep growing and changing and adapting i guess Um, it's what you choose to take with you right yeah, I mean, it's not about being rigid. It's just about um, constantly trying to be aware of your surroundings. I think, um, and as you say, acting in a way that's responsible and you know good to the people around you and good to yourself and what's in your future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's like whatever you want out of life, you got to give it back. I, there's that saying I always use for this kind of situations: like be the change that you want to see in the world. So rather than sitting there and complaining, there's a lot of people that will do that. Just go and do it. You know, and you'll see how difficult it is and the challenges and stuff that come with that, which I find to be really interesting. So, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, career wise, you know, and looking at where you're going and, and what you've become and what you've built up and, you know, like you've, this is your first child, right? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. How old is he now? Uh, he's, um, he's just more than 18 months. Oh, he's super baby, baby time. Yeah, he's awesome. little. <laughs> And little. And, and do you, you get a chance to be with your family then quite a bit or as much as you can? That is an evolving
1: question, actually, because uh, they've been in Sydney until two weeks ago.
0: Oh, okay, perfect. Um, they've, they've been
1: bouncing back and forth a bit, but my son um, wasn't able to travel for a while. Uh, yes, too young. Uh, yeah, and so it's great being a dad again these last couple of weeks. I kind of feel like you know it's the reward for some of the hard work recently is that I actually am getting to you know making sure I leave the office early enough and spending time with him in the morning. And uh, it's really nice. It's really re- rewarding, and it reminds me how important kind of balance is yeah um and uh and also, you know I get my best ideas like when I'm distracted or when I'm bored, like it's either you know hanging out with my son in the morning and, and interacting with him it helps helps my brain to work better later in the day sure. um, and vice versa, taking kind of time off, I always find if like if I have like a like a break somewhere it's always if I'm on a plane or a train that I come up with good ideas. Yeah, yeah so like nice holiday stuff probably doesn't count for that much no but like, it's work <laughs> yeah being like being forced to be like sit still and be bored and uh, and not have the internet turned on i think is um a critical part of coming up with the all the ideas that you need for whatever's coming next
0: yeah i use jujitsu for that or riding my bike um yeah i agree though also in the shower i get um because i'm not i don't have my phone or the computer obviously and i'm just you know washing my body and then I'm just thinking about things and somehow there's some kind of connections that come from it you know a friend of mine sent me an article that said like somebody was talking shit about ideas that you get from the shower or something saying that they're not valid I'm like who would ever say that? <laughs> like wh- like where I you know like it was just a weird article every time I th- I think that then I get like that thought in my head and I go is this a good idea I'm like, damn it why did he tell me that <laughs> but yeah I think having a um a shut off time Closing down that busyness allows for silence. And, and like you said, by embracing being a parent, uh, embracing it by, I don't know, spending time, and you really engage on a different thing, you know, and it helps with clarity, which I think is, I don't know, I guess that's a really good way of looking at it. So, And, and also probably now too, and I felt the same way when I uh, decided to be a dad as well, is that once you work so hard, and you become validated. There's a sense of pride in your in, in in your role, at least for me as a parent, and being able to f- provide, basically, you know, and silence that insecurity. Because a lot of the stuff that I've done is based off insecurity of not being able to provide. So that this decis- is the decisions, the 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 crazy amounts of hours and
1: stuff. Did you have a similar kind of feeling, like a sensation? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting watching friends of mine who have creative jobs. Um uh, one of which is having, you know, his baby in the next couple of weeks. Has gone through that same thing, and he was describing it to me uh, last month. Um, you know that uh, that strategic st- sort of stress that comes with being, in his case, a screenwriter and trying to figure out how he can support um, his wife as she takes time off work. Um, I mean, it, it's a strong motivating factor. It's pretty primal. It's as primal as it gets, I think.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and I think it's great that you manage to keep quality of your work. And the decisions and the team that you're working with is as, as, as strong as possible so that you're not necessarily sacrificing the level of work um, or the decisions that you're making out of fear or whatever it is. So it's just good. It's just, you know, compliments to you. It's just great. It's great to see. It's it's inspiring as well because it's just reaffirmation, you know, that the decisions that you make and if you stay humble and you stay pure in your intent, that good things will come about, you know, which I think is one of the best lessons that you can learn within having a career in any field, really, you know? Yeah. I th- I find our field of creativity and, and what we do to be very interesting. You know, it's very, it's very different, you know, it's not a nine to five thing at all. So.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. And it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. You talk about like, um, you know, like trying to keep your work good while you're worried about the, the, the financial side of it. But yeah. I mean, the one thing which I, kind of learn over the years is whenever I kind of make creative decisions that I I believe in, um, the good things come from them. And when I try to kind of take advantage of something to to get the dollars, it comes back to bite me like almost every time. So it's always the big jobs with lots of money um, that seem to end up being the jobs that uh, like cost so much to make, you make nothing off them or that they change and they bleed you dry somehow. And it's the the jobs that come with like – maybe like good creative potential but more, more modest incomes that end up being either, um, you know, work out in an efficient way where you can kind of walk away with them um, with a decent income or, or they go on to inspire other big jobs which kind of balance out the effort you put in. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I just think like making the best creative decision you can make and trying to like back it up and commit to it and follow it through is the most sort of pragmatic, um, responsible decision you can make. I think it always ends up being a really good relationship there, which is cool. I hope that's not naive, but so far, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it's working for you. And I think that's just it, right? I mean, everybody has a different way of how things work based off their own chemical balance and just their moods and how everything, but if it works for you, then it works for you. You know, that's one thing I I read a lot of, I haven't been as much, but I read a lot of books about, you know, self-development and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of it's, I find to be interesting because I can't take everything seriously. I try to because I'm sitting there investing time to, but these are things that work for that person individually. But if I can take little bits and pieces of everybody's and then bring them to myself, it's almost like I'm combining like a Lego, like a super Lego person. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, I, and I and I find that to be interesting. That's why I often bring these kind of things up and talk about it with people's different successes and how they get there and and i just find it interesting you know it's just a fascinating kind of thing how and and how how people come to be who they are successful people and the balance of things one thing i wanted to ask you is, or who, who are some of the heroes to you like who are people that you are constantly inspired by um that continually give you that you know feedback of of i don't know just awesomeness
1: yeah, I mean that's always a really good question and I think that there's been times in my life when I've been so obsessed with just like having as many different design heroes to look up to as possible. Um, the ones that I think back on are probably the ones that I've been like really lucky in the sense that I've had some contact with them in the past few years that have kind of like, like remained important to me as I found my own voice. Um, you know, I certainly think that someone like Scott Dadich, he was the creative director of Wired magazine. In the mid two thousands, and they were doing work that was combining, you know, storytelling and design, specifically information and in design, themed around technology, themed around ethics and law and, and change, and all the things that I find interesting. Um, they were doing it for Wired, and it was it was thrilling, and they were just innovating every issue. Ah, uh, they were making bold decisions, um, and they were doing something really cool in the pages of the magazine, and and it very directly inspired what we did on TV back in Australia. And we said that you know really clearly, we want to do on TV what Wired magazine is doing in, in uh, on print. Mm. Um, and uh, it's been really exciting, kind of watching uh, Scott kind of continue. He he ended up innovating a lot of um, digital content for Condé Nast across a lot of their other titles, and has now returned to Wired as the editor in chief. And I think that's really inspiring to me because. It's interesting to see someone who's come up through the design um, sort of lineage kind of end up driving the editorial of such a big brand. Um, Mm. So for me, I think a lot of like like the heroes I think of now, I mean, I've got reference folders just full of artists and designers whose work is just visually stunning and emotionally powerful. The ones that I kind of look to um, as people to really emulate in terms of their careers, it's people like that. Um, It's filmmakers. I mean, you mentioned David Fincher before. I saw Fight Club the week I finished school. It was <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're saying we're similar age, so we, we saw a perfect time.
1: Yeah, that's it. Like it's it supposed to be like, about being a man, it looked yeah. cool, it was it was just awesome in every way. You know, yeah. I was starting film school a few months later and I knew that at that point. Um, I think I probably just found out I'd got into film school back in Brisbane, like the small city where I grew up. And seeing that just made me so excited that maybe one day I get to be, you know, a filmmaker in any capacity. Yeah. Um, so certainly his work, um, Michael Mann, uh, uh watched, so great. Yeah. I used to watch, you know, heat, um, so much, uh, even back in high school, you know, like back bit before that. And it, it had such an influence over the kind of stories that I thought I wanted to tell. And it really has taken me kind of 15 years to get back to a point where I kind of feel like one day I might have, you know, the competency to try and tell like live action drama stories. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, his work's been an inspiration to me throughout that whole patch.
0: He's a very smart guy, yeah. From what I've heard, I haven't had a chance to have direct t- dialogue with him, but, yeah, he's a very smart guy. And, yeah, I mean, Manhunter, and, and he, it's the way that um, he doesn't spoon-feed you the good and bad guys. He just lets it be a story about
1: people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think stories about male relationships are always interesting because men are... Um, Really complicated. They uh, they never say what they mean. They're really <laughs> aggressive and passive aggressive, and um, and they're almost always kind of engaged in unnecessary conflict. So they make for really interesting subjects uh, <laughs> in drama films. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Michael Mann kind of has, has really harnessed that in, a, in a, you know in a way that's kind of. You know, what's cool about what man does is it's um you know, as you say, it's like intellectually like very rigorous, but it's also like totally immediate in the moment and about the simple bits just in front of you. And out of that if it builds these big kind of complex arcs, you know, I I I could wax lyrical about how good he is all day for sure.
0: Sure, of course. I uh, same for me as well, and, and I think that it's great to give um, respect where respect is due. You know, there's there's so many amazing content creators out there now and people that are creating great things now that are their careers are becoming or just from the past. You know, oftentimes I'd hear a lot of people just, you know, the new movies are no good and this and that. I said, sure, sure, you know. But we also have a slew of amazing films that you can just go and rewatch, you know, and and I often find that I, uh, I instead of going out to the uh, theater now, I just I'll just stay at home and watch a film that I love from my past, and just get so excited because even though I've seen it, I'm seeing it through new eyes every time I watch it, because I've learned something new since the last time I've seen it. So, and then I'm an, I now, I'm, I'm analyzing it in a different spectrum, you know. So, aside from directors and film film guys, um, there's some designers or other guys in the field that you. Are interested in, or do you try to focus on more of just other things and not be influenced by trends, or you
1: know? I think you know we're all influenced by trends. Um certainly I, uh, you know, d- 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 deliberately try not to watch as much motion design as I used to because I'm um, kind of um, being too influenced by watching other people's work. It's so easy to rip it off um, unintentionally. Uh, sure. I will say that there's some like. Graphic designers and print designers whose work is just consistently uh, awesome to me. I mean, Michael C. Place, who who designs under Build. His website is designed by Build. Um, he was one of the designer Republic guys back in the day, but um, his work, um, his solo work is is beautiful. I've got a couple of posters of his, and I just use his work in my reference folders just constantly. Um, his stuff is is nice. Yeah, it's really great work. It's very uh, pronounced. It has a voice,
0: you know, and I can definitely tell his influence on what you're doing. It's like you've taken his energy, and in, in, at least in the beginning, and you've been able to um, bring it to life. You know, you've given it a different voice by just making it move in
1: a certain way, you know, so...
0: Just yeah, well, I mean, I would
1: say that I, you know, I don't think I've ever managed to capture the uh, like the, the the sheer graphic beauty of his layouts, but certainly they inspire me in terms of um, of the way to approach type and the way to approach, you know, putting together simple, striking kind of forms. Um, you ever had a chance to work with him directly? No, I've never actually, uh, I've never actually met him or, or had any direct contact. Tragically, I was in London the week before their um, eleven year um, retrospective show um which uh, which broke my heart when I found out a few weeks later um, I hung around and checked it out, but i didn't get the chance to uh you know this i mean it 's interesting like so, like I mean i get I work with references a lot and I really rely on references um and I kind of like quite uh i don 't know whether i would say shamelessly or shamefully like use them to to inspire the aesthetics on my on my stuff and Often, what I find when I've got um, a reference that, that really inspires me is it doesn't necessarily come from one of the great masters. Um, I mean, all our work on True Detective is inspired by a number of different things. But if I had to trace it to one image, it's by a young guy called uh, Dan Mountford. Um, he did this beautiful uh, double exposure thing of this girl's face, where her face is all broken up, um, and I love it. And he he's still studying. I mean, well, in fact, he just graduated a few months ago, but he was still studying last year when we were making it. Um, I would have loved to have him work with us, but um, but he, you know, he wasn't able to uh, give up time in his final year. Um, but the stuff he's doing is amazing, and so it kind of is a kind of reminder to me that uh, you know, visual culture is a really rapidly evolving thing, and um, and the best of it can come from anywhere.
0: Yes, well, the internet allows for that, right? And if you are out there creating content, there's that whole argument against that and with it too. And I think that, um. You know, some people will say, well, that's exploitation or that's good or that's not good. You know, for me, as a, I, I kind of go with, towards the same kind of thing. I, ideas don't, for me, not, don't necessarily come from a vacuum. I think the more that you're able to consume, um, the more your visual, cal- like your ideas come from, I suppose, you know, everybody's influenced by something. Um, and it's just growing and growing. And there's no necessary original idea, but there's ways about going about it, I think. you know, And and anytime I think about a, a, an artist that I feel is prolific and really has a voice, um, when I really get down and research them, they're basically just pulling off of the world that they saw at the time that they saw it, I think. And they're using references from just the things that influenced them, whether it's the small town, in germany that they grew up in as a child you know and if i really do some digging and research i I realize that they had visited a certain gallery that had this certain artist in it from this certain period and obviously that shaped that person's creative mind allowed for opportunities basically and so what we have now is this interesting generation of and i don't know if it's good or bad i haven't i'm still thinking about it but I, i personally think that um You know, the ignorance is bliss kind of thing. I don't know. I guess so, but I don't agree with it. I like more information. Um, And I think it goes into that as well. And I don't know. And hearing it from you as well, I know that you're influenced by things as well. Um, The internet or other creatives. And I think that what's cool is that your influence goes beyond what their original intention is because you're combining it with other things. But you're also giving it life. And you're applying it to things, you know. And I think that there's... It's, it's valid when you recreate, basically, you know.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think to to kind of keep working in this industry, or at least what I find interesting about working in this industry, is that you do need to sort of keep trying to maintain a really sort of broad visual vocabulary. And, and um, you know, and for some people, it's, yeah, sucking in lots of motion design. For others, it's, it's, you know, hunting for reference across the net, which I know that you and I kind of both do voraciously. Yes. Um, yeah. And keep finding... Ways to push yourself and ways to to push visual culture, for want of a better word. Um, I mean, one of the things which I found really exciting the last couple of years is um, looking at sort of stuff from more Eastern traditions and starting to understand what, um, just discovering cool stuff there, but what makes it fundamentally different as well. There's been a couple of great books that just Dalton, my favorite publisher, put out on um, on contemporary Arabic design. And some of the stuff in it is thrilling to me. Oh, it's such an older part of the world, too. Yeah, and watching, I guess, contemporary stuff done by those guys—that's inspired by an older tradition—that's different to my own tradition. Yes, makes me real. Like, I don't know. It just—it opened up this whole new area for me. Um, after I got these, like, these books of different, um, you know, it was different graffiti and different art gallery installations and different branding they had done. My wife actually had bought me this book um, on the fundamentals of Arabic typography. That's what it's called. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. You know, I wish I had it here, but it's um, it's been packed in a box in Sydney. But um, it uh, it ran through what was different about Arabic letters compared to um, you know compared to the the Roman Greek alphabet yeah. and um, things like uh, whether the uh, the crossbar was thick or whether the vertical bar was thick defined you know th- th- the way it looked and that traced back to how calligraphic pens were cut in, you know, in the 12th century or whatever. could trace back these, like, quite pragmatic reasons. But it helped make me realize that when I was laying out, like, this very contemporary sort of blocky logo layout I was playing with, that if I did a certain thing, I could make it look like it had this interesting uh, Eastern kind of flavor to it. Um, and not in, like, a tacky way, in a really sort of fundamentally different way. And I think it's tapping into that kind of different stuff that I find to be um, – what keeps me interested in my work and uh, finding different things, whether it being exploring Easters or you know, I've become obsessed with portraits the last few years and with like how how you can represent the human face and how different that is to representing objects or typography. Um, yeah, I think just diving as deep as you can into visual culture is is both essential and exciting.
0: Yeah, which you can get a lot from traveling, which I I couldn't encourage people and, and artists and creatives in general just to do. Um, you know, like getting out there and really experiencing the world. Um in a way where, you know, even just going to the library, you know, uh we talk about that quite a bit with a couple of my friends who are are at the top of their game. Um, they're the times that they go to the library and just really go into a, a kind of an odd part of the library and just open up something kinda of random. And if you're if you're like ourselves where you're just curious and you can really jump into the possibilities, you know, um, getting inspired, like you said, Arabic typography and the choices and the decisions and all these little things that can just kind of, you, maybe you'll have a brief that's on the tip of your tongue and and instead of going on to motionographer, which is awesome, but it's very much right now. And if you get inspired by what's right now too instantly, and if you're too close to it, I I feel like it might, it might age faster, you know, rather than maybe pulling something that is coming from a more, Abstract, I guess, perspective, you know, and which which leads me to another thing too is what are some of your favorite films?
1: Oh, I mean, the ones that I've found thrilling the last few years are the ones where there's an element that feels absolutely steeped in authentic reality, and that can, you know, like I think a great example is Monsters. Gareth Edwards did such an incredible job with Monsters, going and basically shooting a documentary. Um, on you know on the Mexican-US border, but turning it into an incredible kind of sci-fi monster film um, was one of the smartest bits of filmmaking I've seen. Um, and that's right down at almost the gorilla end. I mean, obviously now he's gone and made Godzilla, which is, you know, relatively big film, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then even like he saw like, like Matt Reeves did it in Cloverfield where there was these images of um, of New York that just felt so post-September 11th and so informed by what had happened. Um, you see it in District 9 and I think even more so in uh, Blomkamp's short film Alive in Joburg, which he made, you know, probably over 10 years ago now, uh, where he took the existing situation existed between um, uh, South African communities, especially South African black communities and immigrants from Zimbabwe, and... Um, and, uh, and made a really cool story about alien invasion out of that kind of cultural context. And, and they're the kind of films that I find just so cool. Yeah. They're just building off of what they know, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a heavy handed history lesson. It's not like a lesson on, you know, how not to be racist or anything. It's just a really cool sci-fi film that also helps us to, to kind of think and talk about the world around us. Um, and you can't really ask for much more than that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, I think what we're seeing from that is it's it's the new age of possible film creation where it's um just kinda coming from something that is familiar to that person and rather than trying to make like, you know, the next Star Wars or just kind of creating what obviously they're inspired by something like that if if they're, you know, within the same generation as we are, they have seen Star Wars or influenced by it, but not trying to like directly make star wars again it's just having that influence whether it's visually or um the hierarchy of storytelling or something is there something um is there a film from your past that has changed you or you know something of, a, a bit of a muse for you
1: i mean we've talked about the fight club these are the ones which like live large in my memory um what has been a muse for me um dirty dancing you know, I think when I think about it, Dirty Dancing was had huge influence on me. But no, seriously, like, I, let's say off the top of my head, like, I love films like, uh, like Spartan, which is this David Mammoth film, which kind of gets forgotten. It's got Val Kilmer in it. Like, no offense to Val Kilmer, but I, I, I haven't always connected with his films, it would be fair to say. Sure. But um, there are, you know, I think Spartan is this really interesting exercise in. Um, Uh, a project kind of staying true to itself on every level i mean obviously with the name it's um it's about things being stripped back and simple yeah the main character it's about understanding a character whose life is stripped back to the basics and as an exercise in drama it's about seeing how much you can like strip a sort of action kidnap drama back to its basic essentials and still get something cool out of it and certainly not like everyone's favorite film um but uh I i love watching it and i think it's like it's it's looking at it, it helps remind me why it's so important that for instance, the titles to true detective reflect what's cool about true detective. You know, you can't just go away and do a title sequence that you think is going to look cool and you're real. Um, you need to do a title sequence that serves the story. That's how you get something powerful and successful and it's doing right by yourself and doing right by the filmmakers. Um, so in that sense, that kind of thing has been, um, a huge influence on me. That's uh, cool.
0: yeah, I think that that's just it though. Every, every film is, is different and, and, um, it depends on what you're into and the mood. And, you know, when I was growing up, American beauty was this film that hit me perfectly. I felt like I wasn't really understood from everybody around me. And I felt that the characters in the film also weren't so as like, I don't know how old I was like 11 or something, 12. I related with Kevin Spacey so much, you know, like that's a weird (laughs) thing to say. He's this middle-aged dude. That's like having a midlife crisis in a sense. But I related with him so much, and that film hit me in the perfect time. And I think that's really key to a really good film is it's just it, whatever it is, it connects with you personally. You know, whether it's visually excites you or it, it stimulates your your mind and makes you look at yourself. You know, it's it's a reflection, and that's what it's really beautiful about narrative film. And I think that's what makes a really great film, aside from you know, oh, it follows this pattern or whatever. Um, some of the best films I think are totally underrated and they're not even noticed or seen, which is fine by me. I, I'm a big fan of that film Pi, which is a really interesting film. I think it's Aronofsky's one of his first films.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's um very interesting. In a while film. since I have seen it. It's super cool and um yeah, right. as you say, fascinating. And I, and I agree that it's the smaller stuff. I mean, there's a film Primer which not many people have seen. Primer's is great. It yeah. is, right? I, I love I, I it. I love it. Yeah, me uh, too.
0: And I love that. I I actually really liked his second film. Not a lot of people liked it at all.
1: Uh, have you seen it? I haven't seen Upstream Color yet. I, oh, I it's cool. Wish I Wish I could say I did. I um, I can't wait to see it though. Yeah, I, I think you'd like it. Next.
0: Yeah, let me know what you think of it because um I think I have I've, I've had it I, I've I've given up on trying to really get people to watch films that I, I, I enjoy because um it's just you know why why who cares but I think that you might you might get into into it and I think that the thing that I really like about it besides the film is, um, also his approach to making film and, and, uh, his intentions and not sacrificing things. And he's just a, apparently a very smart guy really into, um, he like breaks down the film into it's like he, he, his budget basically, like, you know, like how much of he can afford and all that kind of stuff. So, which I find to be, I don't know, really cool. Um, yeah, seems like a very intellectual, smart guy and,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that he's really chosen to um, to keep making films outside of the system. I think that's always, uh, you know, it's always a really personal choice for people to decide where they want to be in the system. I think that as long as they kind of don't, as long as people don't do something cynically, I think you can exist anywhere. Um, yeah. You know, I think on one hand, like, the most independent filmmakers and the most independent musicians do some, of obviously, the coolest work and the most daring work. Um, and at the same time, I think one of the uh, one of the things I always remind myself is that some of the, like, the coolest and most avant-garde stuff happens in, you know, in pop music or in, in big films. And, like, for every kind of, like, um, you know, like, shitty big superhero film, there's another big superhero film that's emotionally compelling um, and knows exactly what it wants to do and really innovates the genre and, may, and you know, makes a lot of people both happy and kind of feel something and have a great experience um and it's that kind of like keep like like keep looking for the interesting stuff in pop music is what i tell myself you know just in a sense of like you know people can be so daring and imitative and avant garde, guard like right in front of your eyes um and find really clever ways to do it i find that really breathtaking to uh, to watch and i want to try and emulate that i guess
0: yeah yeah absolutely have you seen under the skin or enemy have you seen those films
1: I haven't seen Under the Skin, but, you know, I should say this when we mention it. Realmarks, Marks, who, you know, does all my, like, design and animation lead work, yeah. um, he's obsessed with Under the Skin, and uh, <laughs> he won't forgive me if I don't go see it, and um, yeah. he says it's one of the best things to hit cinema for a long time.
0: Yeah, I think it's really cool. It doesn't it doesn't spoon-feed you. It doesn't explain itself. It just is, it is what it is, and, um, yeah, it was really cool. It was a weird thing that happened for me after seeing it that it reminded me how connected we all are there's a hive mind that happens because there's a couple of things that I felt that were in some things that I'd created that were very similar contextually obviously um, it was, Glazer, Todd, it was it Glazer Todd what's his name the, yeah the, yeah Jonathan Glazer John, I mean, Jonathan, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah I mean obviously he has you know better resources and that kind of stuff which makes it for a different experience but yeah it was very interesting um, I, I think that I'm curious to see what you think of that as well. The, for those that are listening, these are very incredibly artistic films that are. They have. They kind of do their own thing and they speak at their own pace and their own language and they're more of a, a risk-taking type of film for me at least. Um, and I appreciate them for what they are. They're they're not for everybody, um, but you know, there's so many people that even for like a film like Drive, um, which is much more appealing to the general. Masses, I think, in comparison to like under the skin, but um, films like Drive, where that there's like a lady that like actually tried to sue the, the company, the production company, because it didn't have enough driving in it, you know, like so. This is like people, fucking crazy people, but um, I'm big on consuming lots of things, obviously, as I think you are as well. And films are, are one of the things that I still try my best to make the time for. If a film doesn't keep me awake, then I usually don't give a crap about it, but if it does. Uh, I just keep, you know, I, I try to make time for it. So, But I usually watch films, at, like, you know, like one or two in the morning when I'm finally done and I'm just like laying in bed and about to crash out. So I should probably try to pick a different time to <laughs> watch the films and stuff. But yeah, um, what are some of the projects that you um, wished you had worked on or were a part of or wanted to be a part of? Is there something that of the past or something recently that, you really saw and you were like, ah, it'd have been great to be a piece of that. Or, yeah, is there something, is there a project like that,
1: a film or? I mean, that's such a hard question because when you see stuff you love, um, on the one hand you wish you'd done it, on the other hand, like you're glad you didn't because you (laughs) maybe wouldn't have made it as good. Um, it's, it's so nice seeing other people do things which are just consistently kind of breathtaking. I mean, I'm always impressed when people, it kind of, in some ways it kind of goes to what I said before about like pop music. um, you know, I've been working with video game studios for you know a number of years now, and and like they're great. It's a really cool industry. It has it's sort of got a lot of money really quick, and it has kind of less um, oversight than than a lot of sort of advertising clients that kind of thing. But still, there's you know there's a lot of oversight. These are big brands, and you can't kind of waste their money, or waste their opportunities. A lot of people's jobs are at stake. Um, so when they do something that's really innovative and creative, I I really feel like it's worthy of respect and worthy of thinking about how that was achieved. Um, And this is kind of a long-winded way of getting around to talking about Call of Duty, which is, uh, you know, a massive franchise, a franchise that's been putting out a game every November for many years now, um, and consistently breaking records in terms of being the highest selling entertainment product of all time. Violent people.
0: Violent people.
1: You know, I mean, (laughs) absolutely. It's (laughs) like, it's just, it's a big action movie uh, on a game, and uh, it's, you know, it is mainstream. It is mainstream. It is mass market to a T. Yeah. And if you look at the Mill Plus' um, storytelling sequences for that uh, that came out in... Uh, it would come out, I guess, about a year ago now.
0: Like um, the, the black and white and the... Not the black and white, but
1: like the the bullets that go through the dude and all that stuff. Yeah, like wax figures yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and dust crumbling. I mean, these were sequences produced, you know... I mean, I don't know what they got paid for it, but they, they certainly look very high-end. Cha-ching! Yeah. And they were... Um, so creative uh you know like i I just can't imagine walking in and and pitching to a group of activision execs it's like so we're going to have this like poetry on the soundtrack and we're going to make like a model out of wax it's going to be melting and it's (laughs) you know i mean it sounds it sounds insane it sounds unhinged um and they managed to turn that into you know really powerful poetic content um you know for main street for what you know you would otherwise say is like you know potentially a really conservative um commercial games brand stuff like that that i I see and I'm like, wow, that's, that's really nicely done. You know, It's, it's kind of like the, it's the, the Christopher Nolan approach of, of making genre stuff but making it as good as it could possibly be um, and not compromising and not chasing a, a big audience, just trying to make it cool. Yeah,
0: so that's cool. It's cool that, you, that you're into that as well. I can see a direct correlation. One of the things that you did recently that, um, and you just dropped like a ton of work <laughs> recently too, is like, damn you, all this work you got going on. You got that army behind you. There's that Halt and Catch Fire main title. For me, I don't know, it's weird. It's like 30 seconds, but it's like I think it's one of my favorite things that you've been a part of. How'd that come about?
1: I mean, we were really lucky. Um, You know, Halt kind of sent the pitch out and ended up coming through Elastic, and uh, we were just um, kind of in the midst of making True Detective and a few other jobs at the time. Um, And uh, I got to watch the first episode and and have a chat to the showrunners, and it was... You know what they were doing was really cool, and um, we, uh, you know, we were lucky to put together some ideas for it, and uh, and be able to go back and forth with them a bit, and sort of drill down to you know to a sequence that they could commission and get behind. And um, it was it was a really wonderful experience working on it. You know, we thought about it a lot. We had we had time on our side on it, which was cool. Um, you know, we, we didn't have like huge resources, but. Um, we were just able to, uh, to spend a lot of time with uh, with me and Raoul and primarily with a guy called Eddie Herringson who's a fantastic designer who's based back in Sydney and he was working in my studio at the time um, and uh, he worked on on it for, for weeks in just exploring different executions. I also got my mother-in-law involved because she oh, yeah? used to be a typographer. Oh, perfect. Um, she used to like, she actually, she's like, she's in, like, an incredible craftsperson with her hands um she used to like paint the light rays into Hanna-Barbera cartoons back in the <laughs> 70s and she did all this like work for Strain Advertising um back when everything was done with optical printers and with paintbrushes and with pens um and she was able to to help us kind of dive back into into like 80s typography that took itself seriously because every yes. time you see the 80s it's like super cheesy or it has this level of kitsch like Drive does um which I love and I like my my masters film you know it was all like super kitsch pink and blue like neon disco dance full of stuff but hold, was this different beast it was the 80s but, but big business and um so it was really uh fun to be able to to do like a serious take on it where we got like business fonts these like dick serif closely kerned you know stuff that you'd never do today yes um and lay that over this like kind of like bubbling, garish, pink and red imagery. Um, I think it was the biggest challenge was that designers kept trying to make the frames look good and they'd show them to me and I'd be like, no, it's got to look like horrible and bleeding and oversaturated and awful. And it kind of reminded me that like what's distinctive about a job is what you do wrong on it, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I full credit to, the, um, to AMC and all the producers on that show for like, backing us with a sequence that you know in theory looks awful but um i think there's a real beauty in like the red and the pink just burning together on screen and i think it kind of spoke to the sort of intensity and instability of what's happening in the characters lives and you know hopefully we got a nice sequence out of it
0: oh yeah it's absolutely beautiful and i think that you know half of the battle i think is is the visuals and the concept right but i think the track that trenton did I don't know if that was part of the project or did the client reach out to Trent Muller, but that shit is perfect for this. It's like made, that track was like made for this title. <laughs> it's crazy. It fits it like a glove.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's because um, he did compose to, to the visuals and, um, and really took on board, I think like the, like the DNA of the sequence and add that to saturate the soundtrack we felt very spoiled that he was, um, he was brought in to do it and, uh, couldn't have been happier with the results. They're great.
0: Yeah. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. I didn't even realize it. I've, I've been kind of judging. I have been trying to be distant myself basically from a lot of this stuff. So I can, like you said, I don't want to have it in my subconscious when I'm having to constantly feed out ideas. And, but when I, um, I knew that we we're going to have our chat. I was like, okay, I need to go see what you've been up to. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and then I saw that. I was like, ah, oh, this is great. And, and I actually went and got his album and stuff, and I really enjoyed it. And and um, I just, yeah, the whole piece and, and just how it comes together. And, and it has some of those feelings that I get from, obviously you get from the True Detectives, so, because I guess you were doing them simultaneously, but they're completely different. And the ending and just the feel and the the final composition and and um, do you guys do a lot of composing in nuke or is a lot of it just done in after effects and just all the layers of dust and debris and and tinge and just all these things that are happening it's just yeah it's really cool i mean that's something i've really
1: got to credit Rao on he's um he's an amazing cinema 4d artist and Mm. there's all sorts of stuff going on in that that i would have (laughs) probably Done in 2D that he would choose to build out in 3D. Um, oh. He's also an incredible After Effects artist. And, you know, I really kind of dumped him in the deep end with that one because we'd kind of done the design phase. He'd been involved for sure. He's always involved in my jobs when he can be, but he'd been kind of executing a lot of shots on True Detective while me and Eddie had been developing the look. Um, and we had ages to develop the look and we had ages to sit on it. We had months and months, to be honest. Um, and then it got to this point where basically uh, I was like, okay, so. Um, Everyone's happy with the final boards for Holt and Catch Fire. Um, it's due in three weeks. Uh, I'm going to get on a plane on the weekend and be gone. Um, just animate this and, you know, have it delivered soon. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, That's and uh, it, like he, he panicked and, you know, I ran for the door and, and that was that. I just kind of like left him <laughs> with it. And uh, I checked in with him via email every few hours and I'd watch stuff and, and give him notes. But he was in, was in, the was in the trenches on that one and he just like made it work and the way he would get, he'd like, I'd done a lot of the boards using images of, um, in, like, f- photographs from the show, and he would get those, and he'd make these, like, 3D sculptures of the actors' faces out of it. I mean, he had this, like, kind of messed up Scoot McNary that was just crumbling under the weight of all these particle systems, and, you know, he'd just run it through layer after layer after layer, and um, there was actually a bit of time I was, you know, there was actually on, on that shot I was in the studio a lot for, uh, and, I'd, like, I'd ask him to make, like, a little change to something, and I'd realize that it was going to be, like, Four or five hours before he could, because there were so many different layers of things going on that he had to like <laughs> drill back through just to like change yeah, it. That's great. <laughs> um, but I think I think the result is is super cool. I'm um, so proud of it, and uh, you know, and 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 so proud of my team. I guess.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, good job to them, and definitely with with you guys and working that stuff together. Did have you? Um, how did you guys
1: actually manage to connect and meet? Um, so you know, I've been looking for someone who could kind of just have my back There was different people i'd worked with um, that that could do different things um like uh, like duncan elms is an amazing after effects artist but but he left me for the u.s some time ago I did. um and uh and phil robson is a fantastic designer but he doesn't animate and i really needed someone else who like me was more of an all-rounder and i found a great film that rail had done that was exploring the um the themes behind uh the Arab Spring. It's just called Spring. It's on his site. Uh, he goes by Marx, M-A-R-X. Um, that's his like design name. Uh, and I kind of knew that he was a designer that obviously had some skills and some skills animating, but more importantly, had a sort of interest in like the wider politic of the world and, and the way things work. Um, and so we kind of pulled him in for a project and um, he came in right at the end of when we were doing the division and just helped us doing a bit of like grading and, and kind of polishing on that. And ever since then, he's been kind of my point man on everything. Um, So, uh, you know, so I hope sincerely that that he, and I'm just going to say this to him, um, make the right decision to move to the U.S. so we can keep working together.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sure you guys, uh, you know, that there will be something cool. Even if it's, you can still work on stuff from remotely, right? It's just a little easier when you're just right in the same room, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it's funny, you know. I mean, I think it does really count a lot. There's not been many times in life that I've found, a collaborator that I can claim that kind of like easy shorthand with and it's always so exciting when, when you find it. Yeah. Um, and as you're right it can happen remotely and you know we've had great times working together remotely but um, whether it's remote or in the room I think you know the most valuable thing you can find in this industry is um, you know good working relationships um, that are creatively fruitful for you know for, for everyone involved um, and I'm just so thankful every time I find it because you know it's it's a battle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Are there some of the projects that you feel that are like, are there? Is there something that's you know one of your biggest accomplishments yet? What would that be? Look, I mean,
1: we're really proud of True Detective. It was it was one of those perfect storms. Um, obviously, it's been really good for us in terms of building our career, but it was also just creatively really exciting. Was easier than most projects, which is strange. Um, you know, usually you have to really bleed for the good ones. This one, we just kind of worked hard, but we kind of knew what the goal was early on. Um, what I loved about it, and you know, I touched on this earlier, is that at every stage, everyone just wanted to make it good. Uh, I was working on, you know, I've worked on a, a number of other things for game studios, big, big uh, free-to-air TV shows in the states, um, and I've worked with some great people on those. But ultimately, you're always worried about um, the market or the demographic, um, you know, how something's positioned or whether it's going to get approved or the different stakeholders. People just didn't use words like stakeholders or demographic, talking about how to make true detective. They talked about story and character and, uh, you know, people facing personal apocalypses and... uh, uh, and men making, you know, choices they have to live with. It was about, you know, these like, big things like sex and death and religion and all sorts of stuff. I mean, the point was is that every decision was made in the interest of the story. And that is rare as hand's teeth. Um, so I hope that hope that I, I get to work on a few more projects like that in my career. I don't expect them to come along very often. But if they can come on like, just now and again, I'll be delighted.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really a good way to look at it, you know. And I think, like you said, you feel like you're just getting started, and I feel like that every day as well. And I know that feeling. It's just that excitement, and if you, and, and there's, it's always, like, what's over the horizon, you know. But it's also really good to recognize, you know, what you're doing now and, and how to, you know, be thankful for it and, and building out from there, obviously. But, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's perfect. And I think that's exactly, you know. I, know, I I agree with what you're saying. I think it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> What's an
1: average day for you? Like, uh, I wake up super early. I woke up at like five o'clock today. Really? Sometimes I'm lucky five? and I get to like six thirty. Wow. Um, yeah, for that's, I used to be a night person, but it changed at some point. I became a morning person hmm. and, uh, I get my best time in the office in the morning. I love it. It's quiet. No one's around. And I get to really concentrate on things for a while. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a treat. And then at about like 10 o'clock, other people start rolling into the office and I stop doing whatever kind of personal creative tasks I've been focused on, like not personal project, but you know, if I've got to write something or write a pitch or write a document or design some frames for myself, which I, I still do occasionally, not as much as I'd like, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the rest of the day is just kind of running around to, you know, to meetings and pitches and, and trying to get people like, uh, like working on the stuff that they should be working on. Um, But, uh, you you know, it's fun and social through that part of the day, which is nice. And then I try and escape here kind of, uh, um, escape here relatively, you know, early evening if I can. That's always nice.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then you get some chance to be with your family and everything as well and stuff too.
1: That's what I try and do. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a personal thing to talk about, but... um, Sure, you don't have to. No, 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 but no, no, I'd like to because I think it's like it's a really good... I don't know, it's an important thing in my life in that a couple of years ago I got quite sick. Um, and uh, it's not something which is something which interferes with my life sort of every day. And it's not something people should kind of feel any sense of pity for. But certainly it's, it's uh, a condition that I still have to manage very actively, um, which on a practical level makes it kind of hard for me to work in the evenings because that's when it affects me most. Um, but it's also uh, been tied to, I think, having the kind of the motivation to. To, to do some of the more um, risky things I've tried doing the past few years is this sense that um, it's not like I'm sick to the point where you know, I'm going to die when, like immediately or anything or even one day from this thing but it's just like this gentle little reminder that you know we're not here forever and that you can only sort of just makes me want to fit in as much stuff as I can like whether I'm going to live to 80 or 100 or not I don't know but um, I just want to like cram as much good stuff into it as possible <laughs> yeah. um, and that means getting up early and doing stuff for me but also like having time with my family in the
0: evenings. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we're all in borrowed time. And I think, um, if you're just really in tune with that and aware that you have just so much time and you're really pushing, you're pushing hard because all the work and the content that you're involved with and helping create, um, yeah, you're pushing out a lot of work, you know, and, and, and it's showing, you know, and I know it comes from somewhere, you know, so Um, everybody has their own motivations and stuff so but it's 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 um it's good that you're taking something that could possibly be detrimental or or negative and turning it into a positive and that's really what's that's what really what leads to a successful person i think is is being able to shift and change your environment to best suit you and what you're after in a positive way you know it's actually more energy but once you can really refocus it i think it's you know much better, stronger. I guess you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just a matter of making sure you don't get complacent. And you know, like we've talked, I guess we've talked about a lot of you know positive things. But if I was going to say something um, that's a bit more sort of like you know critical of the way people approach things, it's that like the one thing that I, I can't respect is when people are really complacent about stuff. I mean, that's totally within their rights, and I have no interest in hassling them about it or, or you know judging them for it necessarily. But um, you know, I just, judge I don't, Fuckers.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, like,
1: <laughs> just you, you, you might as well just kind of try and make stuff better every day. Like, yeah. Prove, you, prove where you're at and prove where people around you are at and push it. It's no fun otherwise.
0: Yeah, you can only complain for so long, you know, and, and uh, yeah, take responsibility for your own words. You know, I think you'll have... Uh, you'll find how difficult it is, you know. I I found that in myself. I was complaining about movies. That movie sucks, you know. And I I go, well, what is it about that movie that sucks? And I go, well, you know, not the whole thing. And then I started to articulate and go, I'm just being a bitch, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And I should actually go and try and make it. And then I started to try and do it, and it is very difficult. So it's easy to sit and judge. It's it's much harder to actually do. And from that that challenge, um, that personal growth, there's been a significant amount of change in my own perception of the world, which therefore I think it just leads to a better person, you know, like being more aware that, all right, this isn't that easy and I can't just judge things so quickly because that's kind of stupid, you know? And it's it's lacking in, in, in a lot of the qualities that make a good human, you know, empathy or, you know, understanding and stuff like that. So, But is there anything that, because we have to wrap this up soon. Is there anything in closing that you wanted to make sure that you got across to any aspiring younger students or a generation of, of, of creatives that are working now or kind of any advice or anything that you feel that would help somebody out or something that really stuck with you or something that you carry with you daily? Is there something that we might not have touched on? Because we talk a lot about a lot of things. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything specific. I think that I mean, what I would say is that, God, this is a cool industry to work in. I feel so lucky. Um, you know, you could be doing all sorts of meaningful things in the world, but if you're not going to do something like truly meaningful, you know, like working for the UN or being a doctor, like like do something that's com- creatively compelling and where you're actually, you know, reaching out and touching people's lives through uh, through storytelling. Um, and if you're going to try and build a career in this industry, you know, go hard and do, do push it um, and do try and be better every day and do sort of, you know, spend the first part of your career, like, learning how to use, like, every little widget in After Effects or Photoshop and devouring every piece of, of work out there. And then once you find your voice, you know, commit to your own voice and sort of fearlessly do stuff in that voice. Um, and don't compromise and don't make excuses because um, it's really easy to do that stuff. And we, we all sort of do it every day. We're all tempted to do it even more every day. You just got to keep, like, pull, pulling yourself back from that and just keep trying to make stuff you know, cool. And I don't mean, cool, like trendy. I mean, like in the way that you think it's cool and that you're genuinely proud to have done it and that it's something that you would have wanted to watch yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
1: That's good advice, people. You
0: better be listening. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, man. I probably got it all wrong. Who knows? As I said, we're just starting out. So hopefully one day we'll learn something. Sure. Of
0: course. Right. And that's just it. Everybody has their own, you know, paths that they must take. And I think that, most of the the important ingredients is to stay hungry and stay humble, and to be thankful for what you have, and really just push hard. You know, every day is a challenge, and really embrace that challenge and, and and encourage growth. You know, and that just helps you as a person develop and 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 help. You know, and give back as much as you can, I suppose. You know, so. But, man, it's been awesome, and big huge congratulations to yourself and the team and everybody that you're involved with, to your wife to your new your young son, um to, to your new relations at Elastic, to everybody there who's creating awesome work, to all your creative partners and to you most importantly, because it's just awesome to see what you're doing. And it's really cool for me to, you know, say that I know you and that we've actually been able to work together. And I'm looking forward to the bigger things in the in the future and possibly combining our efforts again, you know. So yeah. And thank you for coming on. I this is I know that so many people are so interested to know a little bit more about your career decisions and and, and the steps that you've made to become the person that you are. So yeah, hopefully this, this, uh,
1: gives people some resolve, you know, so, (laughs) I mean, you know, like, thank you. That's really nice of you and it's it's such a pleasure getting to talk to you and it's like, it's funny, like think about like what's good that's come out of, you know, being lucky enough to get jobs like true detective and some of the other stuff we've done recently. And really the things that I found most exciting last couple of years is getting to work with people who, I really, admire, I really want to work with. I mean, I've followed your work for years now, and I, I mean, I still remember like the day I went home to my wife, and I was like, "Oh my god, I think I'm going to get to hire Ash Thorpe on this. I think he's going to be willing to do it, willing to work with me." Um, <laughs> That's so much, and fun. Uh, you know, it was such like such a thrill. And uh, you know, it's funny, like you know, it's ridiculous here, and you say, oh, I feel you know lucky to work with you, because, yeah, I mean, obviously, the feeling's mutual, and I hope we do get to work together again, and I hope that that sort of pattern continues in life, Um, you know, for myself, for you, and for all of us, of, of seeing people whose work we really like, and we find interesting, and daring, and provocative, and creative, Um, and that that's, you know, something that we can turn into, you know, cool creative collaborations.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and everybody that's a part of this is going to be it's just a lot of fun. It's going to be it's going to be awesome, really. That's all it is, really. It's just so excited about everything. So, yeah. I'm all, I'm, I'm all pumped up. I'm like, yeah. I want to go click my mouse like super fast right now. <laughs> but no, thank you so much again for coming on. And, and I know you're really busy, So, and I, and I know it's difficult for us to set this up. But thank you so much. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to the future. And I'll have a link to all your work and, and everything. And, and there's going to be show notes as well for anybody that's interested in knowing a little bit more about what we're talking about and stuff, too. So,
1: awesome well um i I wait uh eagerly to see the next stack of work you drop um, (laughs) always an inspiration you know i look forward to harvesting it for ideas
0: yeah there we go man likewise so (laughs) (laughs) epic well have a great day and um, best of luck to everything and thank you so much for coming on